Keeping up on the latest product trends in the absorbent hygiene industry can be tough. Sure, there are trade shows and conferences, industry publications, meetings, even podcasts like this one. And all those are great resources. I use them myself. But even with all those resources, information on product trends and innovations can often be regionally focused or fragmented, making it hard to get a complete picture of what is changing about products in our industry. Luckily, Bostec is here to help. Welcome to Attached to Hygiene, the podcast that enables you to grow your knowledge and influence in the absorbent hygiene industry. My name is Jack Hughes, and my mission is to help you, the absorbent hygiene article producer, design and produce the best possible products to meet the needs of your customers. On today's episode, we're speaking with Natalia Richer, COO of Diaper Testing International, about trends and innovations in baby diapers and pants. Natalia has been helping DTI test diapers since she was in high school, but has spent the last five years as COO helping the company relocate from Mexico to the US, testing and researching products, growing her network, and helping the company grow. In her time at DTI, they've tested thousands of products from across the globe. So she not only has the knowledge of what changes and innovations have come to the baby diaper space over the last 10 years, but she also has a great perspective on what could be coming in the next five to 10 years. She's also a new mom, so she has firsthand experience with many different products on the market and has the resources through DTI to go and test what she is seeing in her own experiences with her new son. Since my conversation with Natalia was packed with so much information, we're splitting it into two parts. The first episode will cover what type of testing DTI does and begin to explore some of the trends and innovations she is seeing in the market. On episode two, Natalia will continue to share her insights on trends in absorbent baby products before talking about consumer expectations, sustainability, and what the future holds for baby diapers and pants. Joining me today to discuss diaper trends in our industry is Natalia Richer. Natalia, welcome to the show. Thank you. Happy to be here. We're happy to have you. Now, this is not technically your first time on the show. You were featured in an episode that when you and Heidi Beatty joined our Global Leadership Forum last year, but this is your first time as a featured guest on the show. So as we do with all of our guests, I'd like to have them introduce themselves their role and their background in the industry. So I'm going to go ahead and let you do that. So hello, everyone. My name is Natalia Richer. I co-own a diaper testing laboratory in Houston, Texas, that focuses on technical design, including performance benchmarks, quality control, reverse engineering, especially focused in um, baby diapers and adult incontinence products. So my role is as a consultant in product design and development, my background in the industry. So so actually, it's a family business. My father is Carlos Richer, and he has more than 35 years of experience. I keep saying 35. It's probably by now like 40. I don't know. But he has a long experience working in manufacturing and then as an independent consultant. And um, five years ago, I joined his team and helped him move the operations from Monterey, Mexico to Houston, Texas. So now we opened his laboratory here in Texas. It's a new location. I started 
Let's say a long time ago, back when I was in high school, I would help my dad doing like as a lab tech, doing tests over the summer and you would pay me. But now five years ago, we started, or my sister and I started from the very beginning, from the very bottom where we would be doing the lab tests. And that was very, very helpful in actually touching the product, like experiencing the product itself, doing the rewet test, the strike through test, the capacity test, and really getting hands on with this. And and then that just evolved into us slowly taking over the clients and being the point of communication and now being as a consultant. Myself, as a product design and development, I help brands and raw material suppliers for the industry as, as well as converters um, improve their products. Great. Yeah. And obviously, you, know, you and your family have a strong reputation in industry, definitely in North America and well known. So it, the, all the work that your your father and, and, and you and your sister have put in is definitely, you know, it's paying off in the, the reputation that you have. Yeah, I, I, I always like to ask our guests what they like most about working in the industry. And I guess for you, maybe what aspect of, of your work that you like the most. So wondering, yeah, if, you know, you're not new to the industry. You've been working, as you said, on diapers for, for several years. But just curious what you like most about the industry and maybe about the diaper testing process. Well, it's a very dynamic industry. I love that it's always changing. There's always new product improvements, IP, you know, the world of of improving diapers is just, um, it, it's huge. And there's also a lot of opportunity for for improvement. I mean, we're, we're dealing with a product that it's supposed to stop leakages, con, uh, contain uh, fluids. And, you know, the cost of failure here is enormous. I, I, I became a parent uh, recently. I'm a first-time mom, and you know I, I'm experiencing firsthand what it really means to have a product fail, to have leaks. What does it mean in terms of the impact to sleep? So, what I like about the industry, I like that now as a mom, I become really passionate about motherhood. Maybe you know I'm a bit of a workaholic, so I feel like these days I'm working and then I'm being a mom and. You know, that's what my life is now, but I'm really passionate about both. And this allows me to really combine my passions as a mom and work toward improving diaper design, really listening to consumer feedback, getting my hands dirty in R&D, developing new impromptu testing to validate certain hypotheses. My son sleeps on his belly, kind of at an incline, so with his butt up and that is a worst case scenario for diapers. You know, from the fact that he's a boy, he has a penis, is pointing downwards to the fact that when they're on their belly and kind of with their butt up, the runway for the diaper pad to prevent leakages, to stop the leak before it gets to the waist and then out, it's actually really, really small. So just yesterday at the lab, we wanted to test this hypothesis of this being really difficult to do and how some diapers are failing in this. So we just started blowing up some baby mannequins, um, like inflatable babies, and just putting them on their belly, raising them up a little bit, and then putting the dosing point kind of at the crotch area. And then seeing, you know, what the runoff is going to be under those test circumstances that to me are really close to heart because they represent how my baby sleeps. Yeah, I'm sure having that kind of firsthand, firsthand experience and knowledge and seeing that in person is uh, a little more valuable than maybe uh, someone like me who will be trying to do a test and doesn't have children. And so you're trying to like, okay, is this is this positioned right? It's like, no, 
that's not how my baby sleeps. That's not how he's positioned. So um, I'm sure that offers a lot of uh, great perspective to the testing process. And like you said, you can, you're kind of coming up with your own problems and hypotheses and then being able to test those, uh, which is not something that every mom can do. Maybe, you know, most moms are probably just cycling through different diapers until they find one that's working, but you can, you can kind of get to the root of that, that problem. Yeah, definitely. I can, I can imagine how frustrating it is because I feel like a lot of parents really want to give this feedback. When you're reading product reviews, you see that a lot of them are really getting into it, saying how they can improve their product. And at the lab, we offer home use tests. So it also has been really interesting to see how parents approach product improvement and what their take on it is. And, you know, on a personal note, you know, yes, my first time parent, I have my 10 month old, but parenting really kicked me in the butt. Like everyone tells you that it's hard, like get ready to not sleep. But I approached this kind of arrogantly thinking, oh, I'm, I'm going to do better than everyone else. You know, I'm a workaholic. I put a lot of, of effort into what I do. So I just thought I'm going to I'm going to put all that energy into parenting as well and approach this kind of like a as a project. And I was such an idiot. This whole experience has been so humbling. No one has a better no one gonna approach this better than anyone else. Now that I see people on the streets and I see them parents, I just, I feel like there's this connection that you have with them that really brings everyone together. It doesn't matter whatever it is, race, ethnicity, money, nothing matters. When you're a parent, you you have this common ground with everyone. Everyone went through the first six weeks that were really, really difficult, et cetera, right? But this process has really helped me see that there is so much that we can do for parents still. You know, we we have to do right by everyone out there that is having a really difficult time. And and maybe diapers is a small part of a, a really large, you know, parenting, especially early parenting issue. But those moments where you're not getting sleep, if a diaper can deliver a leak-free experience, that is priceless for a parent. Yeah. Speaking for myself here, I think that can be easy to forget. I've said this before. It's sometimes easy to forget that there are people behind the products that we help produce. And, you know, it's very difficult for the industry because whether it's adult and condensed products, whether it's period products or baby products, like no two consumers are exactly the same or no two users are exactly the same. Different sizes, shapes, preferences, you know, how they sleep. So, but it can be really, for me, it can be easier to forget like, yeah, we're not just making products. We're making products for people that have to use them and, and live their lives and ideally live their lives without leaks or inconveniences and things like that. And as you said, for a parent, being able to sleep through a night without a leak and not having to worry about it, that's that's huge. And if you can find a diaper or product that's going to do that, like the loyalty there is going to be very, very strong. So there's a lot of obviously incentive for manufacturers to understand that. And, and I, they know better than I do, but they invest a lot of money into it. But there's a lot of benefit to them succeeding and getting it right and producing a product that's going to work for the widest amount of of those different body shapes and sizes and babies. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just as as we approach this, because right before I was very data driven, not that I'm not anymore, but I guess I've I put a little bit of the emotion into it as well now. But just to not forget who the end consumer is and what our products mean to them. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean it's uh I think maybe for babies, we take it for granted, but I, I don't for, you know, I think the big one are, you know, for period products and adult incontinence products and, and adult incontinence products, just because of the 
the massive amount of stigma around the condition of incontinence. And, and there's still stigma around periods, unfortunately, as well. But particularly for incontinence, I mean, if a product fails, that could really upend someone's life. Like, you know, the there's already enough embarrassment, people thinking they're alone having to deal with the condition. If they're exposed for having the condition, not on their own terms, like, you know, that's, it can really change their lives. They cannot leave the house. They cannot feel comfortable going to the doctor now. It's just, um, it's a real life changer. So remembering how important the products that we, you know, Bostic helps produce that you're testing that producers are producing are to the people who use them. Yeah, it's uh, it's always good to have that reminder. Yeah. So before we dive into what you're you're here to discuss today, which is some of the trends you're seeing in in baby diapers in particular, you touched on this a little, but I was wondering if you could share a little bit more about the the testing that that DTI does and and uh, how how you're doing that. Yeah, sure. So DTI Diaper Testing International, we're the testing laboratory in Houston, and um, so we focus on all areas of product development. From just testing personal absorbent hygiene products, being able to compare the key parameters in terms of the core performance against competitors. So I think it maybe is more helpful to for me to place myself into the listener. So what you need to know, dear listener, is if you want to know how your diaper or your client's diaper performs against key competitors, we can help you. Do you want to explore? areas of opportunity in your products design, from product development to R&D, all the way to validation with home use tests, so that the final final data is coming in from real users and their experience, we can help you throughout that process. And so starting at the performance benchmarks, so at, I mean, at DTI, we, we focus when it comes to the diaper core performance parameters, we focus on the rewet, the strike through, the capacity that really together kind of help define absorbency of a product or what the end user is thinking of absorbency, right? As a combination of all of these. And additional to rewet strikes through the speed of acquisition and the capacity of the product, then we also have separately leakages. And I know that in the industry, you know, everyone's trying to develop these different test methods on how to test leakages, whether it's a mannequin, absorption before leakage test, et cetera. But for leaks specifically, I really prefer to take it all the way to the end user and um, send out product, have parents actually use it, have that final validation and, and leakages. And when we send out product to parents, we ask them to fill out a leakage diary so that with every single diaper change, they're noting how long the diaper was worn and if there was any, there were any leakages, where did it come from? Were they unacceptable, acceptable? Were they large, small, et cetera? And this really completes the picture of absorbency. So the home use does really bridge the gap between just laboratory data and then perception of, of, of performance. Yeah, I'm sure having that kind of field data, if you will, is just so valuable, as you said, especially for leaks. You know, you can test absorbency in a lab. It's it's easy enough to do. Sure, there are variables when that diaper is on a user, um, but leaks. I gotta imagine that's really hard to replicate in a lab with a mannequin. That you know, maybe it can move, maybe it can't. Maybe you can reposition it, but just I feel like the best way you're gonna find is just 
kind of normal everyday movements and usage to really understand where or how a product might leak and if there are kind of reoccurrences of of leakages from a certain point of the product i got to imagine that's way easier to do in the field than than in a lab absolutely during the entire need of diapers for a baby for example the need changes a lot so and the first six, 4 months of life they're pretty much only on their back they can't move at four to six. They, they start rolling around. And by nine months, maybe they're sleeping on their belly like mine. Later, they're going to be running around, et cetera. So testing a different point and different product types, there should be a necessity to do this. And right now, the industry doesn't do this. They have the standard tests, and it's the end of the story. And what I would love to do and what I've been doing for some of our clients now is instead of just testing, hey... We used to just test size four and then extrapolate. Hey, if we test size four, which is the one that you sell the most, then we know how you compare against Pampers, you compare against KC, et cetera. And um, that's it. We know the full picture of your diaper and its design and iris of opportunity. And it's not so. The I want to test size one, two, and three differently. The baby's going to be in its back. There's different needs. Even there's different needs between a day diaper and a night diaper. A day diaper is going to be changed maybe every three hours. And a night diaper is going to be, might be on for 12 hours, 10 hours, 13 hours. I've left them on for 13 hours. So why are we only testing everything the same? Night diapers should be designed different and then should be tested differently. And early stage diapers should be tested differently from ones that are mobile, running around and everything. I would love to move the conversation. I mean, not right now necessarily, but (laughs) for the industry, right? Move the conversation to testing in ways that are more consumer relevant instead of just automated. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then I'm sure having that experience as a mother, you know, and needing to work kind of at the same time gave you that perspective of, of saying like, okay, well, yeah, it doesn't make sense to test sizes one through three, the the same way you would test size four, because as you said, the activity level is just completely different. And maybe that's some something that, I mean, I get, like I said, me, maybe someone else in a, in a role, in a technical role, testing diapers at a company that doesn't have children wouldn't have that perspective. So I think it's, uh, yeah, moving, moving that, that conversation to the user experience, as opposed to maybe the more technical side of the industry of saying, you know, just testing rewet or peel or creep or whatever, you know, putting that in the end user's language, but also the end user's experience is is huge. And at Bostic, we've done a little bit of that with our own testing, particularly around period pads and and stay in place. But it's a big difference maker because you you are you're testing the user's experience. And ideally, you're you're being able to explain that in the user's language, which makes their lives easier and makes their product experience better. Absolutely. And don't get me wrong, there is a time and place for, for all these sort of tests. I, for sure. You know, the flat testing or the U-shape testing, whatever it is that you're using, it's going to be great for quality control. It's going to be great to always, you know, test the same way, create a historical. That's something that we do at DTI. We have a historical from years back you know, in the same exact setting and testing style, how did the same Pampers product do five years ago, three years ago, one year ago? And that allows us to see 
you know, the changes, what the small changes in product design have had an impact on in terms of the of the capacity performance and strike through under the same testing conditions, right? So absolutely in favor of that. I guess it's more for R&D purposes when you're truly trying to develop a new, I don't know, improve a parameter of the diaper that I think it would be much more useful to test in real use circumstances. Absolutely. When you're looking for that like true innovation, it's probably going to take looking at things and even testing things differently than we have. Absolutely. And we do we do provide other services at the lab. So that's that's just the, the testing portion, right? And I don't think I even completed really the story because we do focus on the on the performance of the diaper core with the rewind and strike through capacity. But we also, of course, evaluate a little bit more holistically the entire product. We can run, you know, measurements, get an idea of the sizing of one product versus another. So for example, if you're going to be switching to, I don't know, let's say Coterie, how does this diaper compare to Pampers? Is it going to run bigger, smaller? Because there is no no sizing standard. I mean, there's a sizing standard that kind of was named by Procter & Gamble, right? Everyone follows the same sizing. So they say, hey, size four, and it starts at, you know, 22 pounds and up. But what we have found by asking our panel we we have thousands of parents in our panel in the united states and we've been asking them hey how much does your baby weigh and what diaper size do they use and we've been finding that they almost i mean as as high as like 45% of parents in size 4 have transitioned to size 4 much earlier than what the sizing chart says so the sizing chart will say like hey at 22 pounds like you can start using this and we've seen as early as you know, 16 pounds that a pretty chubby baby already needed that. And the parent saw this need and changed to the to the next size earlier. So so we have this sizing chart that everyone is kind of following. Everyone says, well, mine is a size four, so it has to be. But it fits much longer than a size four Pampers, for example. But everyone just kind of got relegated to using the exact same sizing. So, okay, so that's something that we can do at the lab, right? Just like run basic measurements, tell you what um, circumference, waist circumference your diaper is going to fit to for babies by running um, min-max waist, of course, peel tests, creep tests, et cetera, so that we can really uh, give you a good picture of of the whole product and not just the diaper core. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, we all know how important brand reputation is, particularly in, in our industry with how intimate the products that we help produce are to the body and to the user and how, as we already mentioned, how important they are. It's huge to make sure they're functioning as we intend and uh, and meeting the needs of the customer. Yeah, now that consumer loyalty is actually much lower now than in the older generations. So you can't afford just to, to mess up. Yeah, there's too much competition out there and too many options to just say, oh, well, we'll be fine. You got to really make sure you will be fine. So, you know, we know we know you're based in Houston, but I'm curious the the products that you're testing or the clients that are sending you products to test, where are those coming from? Are they coming from mainly the United States or is it different countries and regions that you're able to to kind of test and then build this historical log of data and information? 
Yeah, we do get products from all around the world. And that's why originally your name was called Diaper Testing International. And now we just call it DTI. But right, because we were receiving uh, products from all around the world. So it does help us get a, a bird's eye view of how the products are changing and what innovation we're seeing in different parts of the world, but also how what priorities are being placed in terms of the specifications of the diaper for each part of the world, where in some areas of the world, consumers are more likely to take on a thinner product versus in other parts, maybe a thinner product might be closely correlated to a product that might fail or that it's not going to be absorbent enough because they prefer a thicker feel. But a lot of our bigger clients right now are in the United States. And I love that we've been building this this reputation in the U.S. and seeing all these products of the U.S., what prototypes are being worked on that of course are confidential and I can't talk about that, but but it's great to see how the products are are being built and, and evolving by all these brands. Absolutely, for sure. So with all that in mind, the test methods that you do, the multiple regions that you're you're receiving and testing diapers from, kind of want to get to the core of no pun intended of what we want to talk about today. And mm-hmm. that is the trends you're seeing, you know, I think you're in a unique position and as someone and as a company that's testing a lot of different diapers from all over the world, I imagine you have to have a good idea of the the trends that we're seeing in diapers and having this historical background about what has changed, what hasn't changed, and and maybe even be able to kind of predict where things are going. So I'm curious, what are the major trends you're seeing in baby diapers in maybe the last year or two? compared to maybe five or 10 years ago from the testing that you've done? I think the name of the game right now is Elastics. That is where we're seeing the major differences and where everyone seems to be focusing on. And it makes sense. Elastics bring a better ergonomic fit for babies or for, for any user. Being able to prevent leaks to consumer error Like when you're no longer relying on the parent to be readjusting constantly, even as baby's waists um, kind of grow and deflate after a meal, they might be like huge bellies. And then even as adults, right after a belly, you want to unbuckle your your belt. Well, with babies, the, the change is even more drastic from full belly to digested and and deflated belly. So better elastics help automate this perfect fit process without relying on on outside factors to be readjusting. And um, when it comes to elastics, I mean, what 10 years ago, really, the the fit from the elastics was really only coming from the side panel that was elastic. And now we see Brands focusing on either improving the waist elastic, improving the the side panel elastic, but absolutely we're seeing also a trend towards baby pants that have all around elastic. So actually just recently, Pampers, who has had you know, when, when you think about Pampers compared to KC, the biggest thing that comes to mind is, okay, Pampers doesn't have a waist elastic. KC does, right? The Huggies products have, you know, an incredible waist elastic that provides that kind of like more, like a longer ergonomic fit around the entirety of the waist, the back waist, I mean. 
And then less so in the panels versus Pampers products that have like really good elastic side panels, but no waist elastic. And that's always something that we knew about Pampers saying no waist elastic, no waist elastic. And for some of the converters that don't have waist elastic, it has always been their defense. Hey, but Pampers doesn't have it, so we, we don't need to have it either. But just this year... Pampers, and this wasn't a big, you know, it wasn't a relaunch or anything like that. It was kind of more like quiet, but Pampers Swaddlers was redesigned to have waist elastic and not only at the back, but at the front as well. So, you know, as close as you can to make it a pant, but still being an open diaper. So to me, this is kind of like the final, what is the expression? straw like the straw that broke the camel's back if you will yeah just kind of to prove that really you know if even this giant of Procter and Gamble that had not decided not to put on a waist elastic for so many years now has done not only a waist elastic but an almost all around waist elastic right front and back waist elastic I I think that's just huge and just goes to prove the point that elastics really is where we need to focus and it's the name of the game whether you can take it all the way to the pant or just improve the elastics on a tape diaper. Yeah, I think to your points about how important it is for a parent, a new parent or, or, or you know, an experienced parent to get sleep and have a diaper that doesn't leak. And, you know, yes, the core plays a huge role in that. But, you know, as you said, the elastics are are vital to making sure that everything stays inside that diaper and is contained and the diaper functions as it's intended. And, you know, so that emphasis on elastic and leak prevention and fit, making sure that it fits and, and fits well and adjusts well to different body styles and sizes is is vital. So that, yeah, it, it makes sense. <laughs> it just makes a lot of sense. And it's pants too that have been taking off because I, I know that I started, I mean, I focus this conversation on the Pampers Swaddlers because that's just, I think, an, a really eye-opening launch or not launch, but, you know, redesign. But pants have been taking off as well. And and we see in, in other parts of the world, like in India, where babies start wearing pants almost since day one, you know, there is a newborn pant available. So in markets that had growth potential, so it's not so non-mature markets, they were able to focus more on as manufacturers were building out their new machines, they were able to put in more pant machines versus in, in let's say, North America, where the market has been absolutely more saturated. There's all, there's all these investments already there into all these uh, diaper lines. So launching more pants in a way cannibalizes the tape diaper business. But in China, in uh, India, and in other parts of Asia, we definitely see way more pants being sold. Yeah. And I, I wanted to ask about that because it's so it's something with, you know, our our team in, in China, I remember going to meetings when I first started at Bostic, they would bring samples with them and talk about pants and and the, the, the popularity of pants. And so we've talked about that in a few recent episodes and it's starting to take off in regions you know, outside of Asia and in Europe and in, in North America. But people I talk to, you know, some of the, the new parents I've talked to, it, it still seems like that that kind of established tape style diapers, particularly for for newborns to, you know, 
six months or so or a year that, you know, they're still not sold on pants. And and I think the big thing that I keep hearing is just the putting on and taking off the pant where, you know, with a tab style or tape style diaper, it's because you're kind of encasing the baby, you're, you're not, there's no risk of like dragging the insult up or down or having to deal with squirming legs and stuff. And so I'm curious, you know, having done some of the the consumer feedback and, and field tests, if you will, are you seeing parents say anything about trying pants earlier or, or, you know, moving to pants earlier than they would have maybe in, you know, 10 years ago? Well, in a way, the way that we use diapers in North America is dictated by pampers and by um, huggies, right? They're the ones with the vested interest. They have all these machine lines. So, you know, here where the market penetration is kind of complete, except for the few niche of of eco-warriors that want to use cloth diapers. Otherwise, the market penetration is really to its entirety. There is a vested interest to not move towards pant products and to have been labeling pant products as a potty training aid. Here, all the pants are called, you know, training pull-ups. But we see a few brands, especially D2C brands that have started to shift the paradigm and and not using the potty training word to say, hey, this is just a different type of diaper and it works. It has this different type of benefits that you don't need to wait until your baby is three years old to, to start using a diaper pant. As soon as babies really start trying to escape the diaper changing station, to me, that's when it's already a benefit to start using pants. So my baby, since I actually started wearing pants since he was four months old, and I don't think that that barrier necessarily exists. I think it's it has been more of a, they teach us how to diaper, and we think that that's how it needs to be done. But I mean, my baby was born in the winter, so I was putting on pants anyway, right? So I was just thinking, hey, it would have been just as easy to put, even when he was a newborn, to to slide up the diaper, right? I was already sliding up pants. Yeah. And later when you want to, maybe there's this this idea that you're going to slide it down and you're going to get poop everywhere. But of course not, right? The pant products can be, um, you you tear it at, the, at the sides seasons. and then you just remove it the same way as a as a regular open tape diaper. I think that there's a huge opportunity for this market as parents realize that this is just better for leak prevention. It's easier to put on once they start squirming around trying to run out of a diaper change. No question. To me, it's no question. Like as they're moving away from you, you can pull (laughs) it up as you chase them. And you cannot do this with an open tape diaper. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see as some of those D to C brands grow in popularity and pants become bigger here. And, and, you know, we just had some, some episodes on Latin America and we, we saw that the trend is, is coming there as well. You know, if you start to see that shift with the, as you mentioned, the big players to offer more, more of those in those younger and younger sizes, there has to be some benefits for an entire region of the world to be using pant style diapers essentially from birth you know they can't be wrong you know obviously there are benefits to both sides but if the popularity is there it, it would make sense that that would travel and people over here would at least try it so and that, that makes sense i mean uh, being able to tear the diaper at the seams and remove it like a tape style diaper but having that easier on 
you know, being able to get it on easier for a pant makes makes a lot of sense once once you said as they start combating they're you know battling the the diapering process. Absolutely. And Coterie launched, uh, was it this year? I, I, yes, it was this year. They launched a resealable pant okay. that is uh, manufactured in Japan. So it's going to be interesting as well to see how this product performs in the market. Because this would be a two-in-one product that can be pulled up, but, you know, if if you're in a circumstance where you can't pull it up for whatever reason, you're trying to diaper change in the car, you don't want to pull the, the pants down completely to pull a diaper up. OK, it gives you that flexibility that you can open it first, put it in as you would a tape diaper, close it, and then it's, it still continues being a pant. So that's a really interesting innovation tidbit that we've seen in this market and the the Huggies pull-up is resealable as well. But again, this is marketed as a potty training aid more so and not available in the earlier sizes, the way that the Coterie new pant is available in earlier sizes. Additionally, the, the KC pull-up pant, the way that you, if you open it and reseal it, it doesn't act as a norm, as a typical diaper where you reseal it from the back to the front. And this one is resealed from front to back. So it doesn't exactly become a hybrid the way that the coterie pant that seals from back to front does, essentially being two-in-one, a diaper and a pant. So that's, uh, yeah, that's interesting. And not to take credit away from Pampers that did launch their 360 cruisers, not calling it a training pant a few years ago. And we've seen that that product has taken off in, in, in sales at, uh, at retailers. So yeah, slowly moving some baby steps in <laughs> North America, but I can predict it's the right way to diaper, especially an older baby from six months and on. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Yeah. That trend is clearly coming and kind of, it'll be interesting to see the effect of that on, um, you know, the consumption of elastics and things like that. If the technology of elastics changes at all and the, you know, we have a vested interest in the bonding of that, but you know, that it'll be really interesting to see as those gain in more popularity here in the Americas and in Europe, what kind of uh, new innovations are coming. As you said, we're already seeing some kind of hybrid type type diapers going on, which sounds really, really interesting. And I imagine there's some those have their own challenges and being able to function well and stay together like a pant, but be able to be resealable. It's got to be uh, an engineering challenge that I'm, I'm sure that put a lot of hours into that. Um, so it'd be interesting to see where that goes for sure. This episode was sponsored by Cotton Incorporated. As the global baby care market continues to grow, so does parents demand for natural, safe, and earth-friendly products for their babies. Learn more about Cotton as a natural leader in the global baby care market by visiting Cottonworks at cottonworks.com slash baby dash care dash brochure. Cottonworks is your go-to tool and guide for producing outstanding cotton products. Discover what's possible with Cotton. Create a free account today at cottonworks.com. So there you have it. You now have some inside information on trends and innovations in baby diapers and pants from someone who is working with products from across the globe every day. Next week, you'll hear about more trends, plus consumer expectations, 
and what Natalia thinks the future holds for baby diapers and pants. Attached to Hygiene is brought to you by Bostic and is hosted by me, Jack Hughes. It is produced and edited by me with the help of Michelle Tonkovitz, Emery Chernus, and Nikki Ackerman at Green Onion Creative. Our theme music is by Jonathan Boyle. We'd like to extend a special thank you to our guest today, Natalia Richer. You can follow Natalia and DTI on LinkedIn for more absorbent hygiene market insights. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.